Hi, it's your host, Sabrine Shaw, and this is the Show Me Your Way podcast, where people from all walks of life show us their way through their own journeys, whether it be in entrepreneurship, philanthropy, artistry, and more. Today we have with us the first ever guest of the Show Me Your Way podcast. He's a recent master's graduate from the LSE, the co-founder of the Stallion Empowerment Initiative, and she's also one of my oldest and dearest friends, Serena Vaswani. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, Serena. Hi, Sabrine. Thank you so much for having me today on Show Me Your Way. I'm really looking forward to kind of discussing my journey with you and what I've been doing recently with Stallion Empowerment Initiative. And thank you so much for allowing me to kind of share that with you on your podcast. Of course. So let's get right into it. What is the Stallion Empowerment Initiative and what inspired you to start it? So Stallion Empowerment Initiative is um, a foundation that was established last year by myself and my brother. Um, It started in West Africa and our main uh, three pillars of the organization is to focus on education, healthcare, and youth empowerment. Uh, We decided to focus on uh, the foundation in Nigeria because we felt like it was a place that we're very familiar with. Our family business is based there. We were also raised in Nigeria. So for us, we immediately felt that connection to the place. Um, We also understand that some of the struggles the country is facing on a daily basis, whether it be with social disparities, Um, their economic issues, as well as their political framework that they're working with. So for us, it's about creating an organization that we can really help people, but also kind of make a difference in the long term as well. Um, And for us, you know, I think we've, from a young age, we've seen how much poverty really affects the country. So now to be able to kind of go back and be involved in some of the work that we can potentially do to benefit some some of the people there is something that's really um, it's really close to our hearts and we feel very passionate about it. In this sort of industry, have you worked in philanthropy before or dealt with it on an academic level? What's your background um, on that? So I I was always very interested in politics and history growing up, and for me, I kind of started to ask myself certain questions that, you know, why is it that, you know, when I was at school, we were never focused on specific countries that I was particularly interested in. So I decided to pursue my undergrad at SOAS, which is School of Oriental and African Studies in London. And my degree was in international development and history. And my I tried to focus my degree mainly on Africa and Asia, because I wanted to go into such great detail about you know, how basically development and history plays a huge role in the existing situation in countries that they find themselves in, especially in the global South. So I found it really useful because it kind of opened up my eyes a lot to realize that there's so many lessons that can be learned, you know, either from, let's say, India or China, and how you can basically implement some of these frameworks in Africa. Um, So that really... Um, kind of interested me into you know what I could potentially do and for me I think what really always drew me into this kind of discussion about development is that you know why are there such disparities when it comes to certain countries and how do we kind of uh, broaden that gap 
So that's what my main uh, first degree started on. And I would say it kind of influenced me to realize that this is actually kind of a journey I wanted to continue on and pursue further. And then my second degree kind of really turned what I wanted to do into practice. I was at LSE for my master's and I studied social, social policy and development, NGO stream. And this degree was very um, useful for me because it made me realize how you can use different, um, different actors, whether it be from the public or private sector, and basically implement them into the third sector. And I think that really enabled me to kind of pursue what I wanted to do further and how I should go about it. Um, I also found it extremely useful being at LSE and also interacting with some of my other classmates because some of them were much older than me and they had kind of knowledge about what was happening in the field and how to go about it. So I would say that for me, it was really a great opportunity to understand, you know, there are some elements of this field that you have to be very proactive about. And there are other elements where you will be kind of sort of drawn back and not being able to kind of act as actively. So it just gave me a lot of insight into what I actually wanted to do. So I know a lot of people say that their degrees don't help them. But in my situation, everything kind of, everything sort of just fell into place in the right time. Um, and I think even starting this organization did as well. So I'm very grateful yeah. for it. Yeah, I was going to say, like you just mentioned, that a lot of people tend to say that their degrees didn't help them, um, especially in what if, whatever field they end up in. They, I always hear a lot of people saying like, yeah, I don't, I don't bring anything from my degree to my professional life. So it's actually really nice to hear that you've done two degrees that really help you, like both theoretically and on a practical level yes. so you, you mentioned that stallion empowerment initiative is um, an extension of the family business so what is it like working with your brother um so my brother and I work very well together um I never really thought that we would end up working together you know I think your whole journey kind of just changes a lot as you get older um, but then over time I kind of realized that we had such similar interests and such um, a, a very kind of great understanding of both what we wanted to accomplish and when it came to social impact we both shared such a similar passion to it and I think that's what kind of drew us to working together. I definitely do think that when it comes to working with family it's very important to keep a good balance. Um, you know at the end of the day, you'll always sort of have a certain relationship with your sibling. And, you know, that's where that personal element adds into it, you know, how both of you can potentially get on each other's nerves. But um, <laughs> I think, I think when it comes to working together, you kind of, you also know each other so well, because you are siblings, that you can actually work on each other's, you know, sort of best assets in a way, you know, like, I know what my brother's good at, he knows what I'm good at. And in a way, we kind of inspire each other to do uh, different things that we know we'll be able to add value to our initiative with. So I think that's really great. And, um, you know, I think my brother also, he has, he's older than me, so he has a little bit more um, of an understanding from a practical and grassroots level of how things need to function when it comes to the foundation, whereas I can kind of add in a more of a a theoretical and kind of 
a practical setting of what I've studied into the foundation. So it's very interesting because I think certain things that I think are very important, um, he hasn't necessarily thought about. And certain things that I don't necessarily think about, he always kind of reminds me of that, oh, we need to bear this in mind. So yeah. um, so you're both yeah, sort of filling in the gaps. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, that's actually when you kind of manage to kind of make it very um, effective in a way. So it, it works well for us. Yeah, that's great. So tell me a bit more about your experience participating in the Nexus Summit at the United Nations HQ in New York. Yes, of course. So um, I basically came across Nexus through a friend of mine um, who's also based in Dubai and very interested in philanthropy. And she told me, she was like, you know, you should definitely participate in Nexus. So I sent in an application because I was just about to start the foundation and I just really wanted to meet other people that we're doing similar work to what we were doing. And Nexus is a great platform for young individuals that might be interested in either social entrepreneurship, impact investing, philanthropy, or other causes that they really work with. And it basically allows people to be to come together and discuss some of like the most global um, difficult issues that are going on currently in the world. And I think that it's really important to kind of address some of these things. And it also allows you to bounce ideas off each other as to what is really important, how should we go about it. And, you know, it's amazing because when I attended my first um, conference last year, it was at the UN and, you know, you had such influential speakers go up there and talk about their journey. And it could be anyone from, I don't know, someone that's um, involved in politics or, a celebrity and they're all doing such great work and I think that's what's really wonderful about it is that there's so much positivity in one room and everyone sort of has the same outlook of what they want to accomplish in life and that's that to me is extremely fulfilling and it's also very rewarding being involved with um, individuals like that because they really do inspire you so anyone that is interested in Nexus I definitely would recommend that you check it out Um, They have a global conference every year in New York, um, usually during the summer. I'm not sure if it's going to be happening this year, but um, that is their main that is their main summit uh, where they have the most amount of um, people involved. And then they also have other summits that happen throughout the year, um, which are usually a bit smaller and intimate. Um, But I mean, it's it's definitely a great sort of platform for people to get involved in. I would definitely recommend any millennial that is interested in this work too. Was the UN sort of what you had envisioned it to be? I mean, we we often see it on the news or anyone who's interested in this sort of work, you know, the UN is such a big platform for you to be able to go and speak. Was it everything that you imagined it to be? Um, I mean, I think anyone that's kind of interested in sort of diplomacy or politics of course like going to the UN is such a sort of wow moment for you you know you're just like wow I can't I can't imagine myself actually being here but um it was really something out of the ordinary you know I think being able to sit in one of the arenas and you know have a discussion with everyone about what's going on in the world it was it was a really special moment for me and I think it's something that I mean 
as long as I'm involved in Nexus, I would love to kind of continue on attending um, these summits. Um, but yeah, I would say that it it was definitely a moment for me where I will always like look back on it with a very fond memory because I think that it's something that is quite rare to kind of be able to attend something like this at the UN. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I guess I would say I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I can only imagine. I mean, it is such a such a big platform to be able to have those discussions and it has a lot of authority attached to it. So I'm sure it was yeah, such exactly. an incredible experience to have. And so with your initiative, um, I know that you're very active on social media. So how exactly is the Stallion Empowerment Initiative using social media? I really want to use social media for two reasons. I think one is transparency. I think it's amazing for um, for you know new upcoming organizations to basically show what they're doing and kind of being able to share it with people that are maybe following their journey as to how they're choosing to go about it and what they've actually managed to accomplish. And I think that's extremely important um, nowadays, especially since a lot of NGOs have lost credibility about transparency. So that's one thing that I really wanted to share with, um, you know, people on social media, whether it be through Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or our website. Um, another element is awareness. I think it's also really important to kind of inspire other individuals, whether they be your friends or people that are just generally following your page and want to see what you're doing in terms of philanthropy, that how you have chosen to go about it. And also how you know you can do these small different projects here and there that can really make a difference and I think that is what our aim is it's to really bring awareness and whether you choose to kind of you know act on it in a different country or a different way or work with a different cause um, that is what our goal is it's you know to really draw on on the importance of why we need to kind of act and really make a difference yeah absolutely and on the flip side of that, I know that you were doing a challenge using social media as well, which I was really interested in because I thought it was a really creative way to get people to start giving back. So I know it was called the book challenge, if I'm correct. So could you yes. talk a little bit about how that went? And it was it was a few months ago now. So I'm wondering how many books were actually donated in the end? Yeah, so actually one of our first projects that we worked with, um, which was um, to basically start a library in the community that we work with in Wari, which is in Nigeria, um, our goal was to basically raise as many books as possible through, you know, our family and friends. And in total, we managed to basically raise 20,000 books. And the way that social media kind of helped sort of collaborate all of these ideas together was really outstanding. You know, we managed to literally motivate people to donate books and send books to our collection centers in different cities. And it was just really something I had never seen before that it worked so effectively because people are constantly checking their Instagram and social media that it sort of had a complete knock on and domino effect where people were just so motivated to kind of get involved as much as possible. And within literally a month, we probably raised about 
10,000 books within two months, that number went up to 20,000. And it was just, it was honestly, it was so straightforward because I was like, you know, normally when you have to kind of go through the whole process of emailing people, et cetera, it takes that much longer. People don't get back to you. But I think social media is so based on, you know, the visual aspect of it that people just felt so motivated to kind of get involved because the more books they sold, the more they wanted to basically donate and kind of be involved in this kind of project. And I think what also was really great about it was, is that it was such a collective effort from everyone and, you know, sort of having that joint effort from all individuals that don't even know each other to kind of help a school that maybe they've never visited before was just such a powerful message, I think, to send out to the world that, you know, you don't necessarily have to be involved in this initiative completely, but you can make a small donation, an in-kind donation that will really go a far way. Um, so that to me was just, you know, it was it was a really great project that we worked in and I would definitely do it again and encourage others to also do something similar to it because I think it yeah. is a great way to kind of get people involved. Yeah, I, I really think it is as well because I, I enjoy the creativity aspect of it because, yeah. yes, there are a lot of organizations, a lot of charities um, that can easily say donate one pound or donate five dirhams or whatever but I like the way that you manage to utilize social media make it a challenge make it something fun for everyone to take part in and I'm sure like even children like families who had children's books and all those things like teaching children at such a young age as well this this sort of act of giving and have it be a challenge and make it something fun I just I really enjoyed yeah. that element of it and is the library built now in, in Wari? Yeah, so um, I actually went to Nigeria um, over six weeks ago now. It feels like yesterday, to be honest. But um, <laughs> I basically went for the library inauguration. And it was amazing to see um, how everything sort of came together. So the library itself, when you know we first visited it last year, it was literally a size of a small classroom. They barely had 200 300 books and um you know I remember my brother saying to me that it's really unfortunate because I feel like all of these amazing students we have 4,000 students in our school um across wow. our high school and primary school mm. um you know you can tell they're so motivated to learn and make something of their lives and I just feel that there's a few elements that are holding them back and I think reading is such an important element to a child's learning you know there's no denial of that I think it really inspires you to you know think creatively to envision certain career paths for yourself or even just learn about subjects that you, you might be interested in um, so that's why we were very motivated to actually make this library absolutely amazing for these kids and that's why we decided to um, you know obviously increase the the size of the library so now it's the size of six classrooms together and um, you know it sort of came together really well we also added in an ICT lab which is connected to the library which gives um, you know the children also access to the internet so they can also you know search the web and read different articles and also have ICT lessons but it was more that we wanted to basically encourage the learning environment and also you know, 
draw on the importance of reading because I do think that everyone does kind of want to have access to it, especially in the school, you know. And when we went to visit the school during the inauguration, I mean, if you saw how happy these kids were, they were smiling, they were so overjoyed by the fact that, you know, they were kind of having something given to them. And that's what really makes, you know, having an organization so um, rewarding, you know, it's the fact that you're really doing it for them. And you know, for a fact that even though it might be something so small as donating a few books in in the long term, you're actually really, you could potentially be changing a child's life or kind of motivating them to follow something. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's what's so rewarding when it even comes down to education, um, because, you know, Nigeria has one of the youngest populations in the world under the age of 30. And it really is about pushing this agenda that education is extremely important. And, you know, the more that we kind of encourage children to further their education and pursue certain career choices, it's really going to make a huge impact on the country in the long term. So, yeah, I mean, just from starting a library it's it's crazy what the knock-on effect can actually be yeah I can only imagine um that trip must have been very very special to you especially since the initiative is still quite young and in its infancy to be able to go yes to exactly. Nigeria to Wari and, um, and open the library and be able to connect with the students is definitely a great experience to have yeah, I completely agree with you. I do think that, you know, it's it's very different. Like, for instance, when you're collecting books from different cities and, you know, also attending conferences and, you know, being involved in sort of the international scheme of things and also the representation of the organization. But actually what brings you the most amount of happiness is actually kind of going down to the grassroots and really getting involved with these students and actually seeing the amazing work that they're doing. And um, that to me, I just feel is always going to be the icing on the cake as to why I wanted to be involved in starting a foundation. Yeah, I can imagine, especially because it's, it's human connection at the end of the day that you're empowering, you're empowering learning education. I agree is definitely like one of the most important elements you know, of a young person's life. So I think I applaud you for what you're doing. And I'm I'm really proud of the Stallion Empowerment Initiative and how far it's come and in such, such a small amount of time, you know, um, to go to the event, to go to all these summits um, is is quite a big achievement, you know, to achieve in, in a small amount of time. And I know there was another summit that you attended. I believe it was called the Milken Institute Summit? Yes. Yeah, so where so, was that? Uh, and was, what did you talk about in that conference? Um, so I was introduced to the Milken Institute Summit um, after I did basically an investment program at Credit Suisse a few years ago. And I had a few friends that basically joined Milken Institute. And Milken is very different from Nexus, I would say, from the point that you basically have more people involved from different fields and careers, um, you know, whether it be in finance or medicine or the environment or philanthropy, for instance. And, you know, you attend different conferences and it's a little bit more, I would say, corporate in that sense. 
but it's really interesting because it brings people from different fields together and I basically just attended the Milken Institute um, MEE Summit, which was hosted in Abu Dhabi in February. And um, I found it very, very interesting. I think, you know, we talked about very important discussions, whether it be about renewable energy or about women empowerment and, you know, the importance of family businesses and the legacy that you leave behind in terms of philanthropy. And, you know, discussions that I normally do have, you know, either with my family or you know in terms of work but to really kind of discuss it with other people from different fields I felt were really helpful and it's sort of I mean I really recommend people to basically go to summits and conferences as much as possible because it really does not only allow you to network with other individuals but it really kind of raises certain questions that maybe you didn't necessarily think about before and raises the topic of discussions that you know might inspire you to either start something or you know add different elements into the existing work that you do so um yeah I would say that you know Milken Institute is very well renowned it's it's known um extremely well in the U.S. and now it's sort of having a global presence in different parts of the world um which is great because I do think that it is needed in, for instance, Africa and Asia as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, once again, I would definitely recommend anyone to get involved if they can. Yeah, I can imagine that it definitely opens your mind and your eyes to a lot of different topics that you may not have considered before, like you said. And you mentioned that you talked about women empowerment. So what is the Stallion Empowerment Initiative doing in, in that department? Um, so Stalin Empowerment Initiative works on different elements when it comes to women empowerment. I think in terms of education, we really encourage this idea that we want girls to participate and get involved as much as possible. Um, we also introduced a new scholarship scheme uh, to kind of, you know, motivate girls to even pursue their education further. Unfortunately, in Nigeria, a lot of girls choose not to basically go to secondary school because they feel like, you know, A, it's very expensive for them, and B, you know, they have certain societal pressures to, you know, either focus on domestic work or, you know, start thinking about getting married. So for us, it's really important to kind of motivate girls that to make them realize that, you know, if you've got a career ahead of yourself, there's no harm in kind of pushing that agenda of furthering your education. And that's why we're very yeah, excited. Yeah, like there's to- nothing holding you back. There's nothing holding you back and we support you completely along your journey. Um, We've also started to kind of look into different ideas of potentially working with women um, and starting a social enterprise for them. Um, We will obviously, you know, introduce some of our ideas later on in the year, but it's definitely something that can basically empower communities and also allow women from working at home or in their villages without basically, you know, putting too much of a a change in their lives. Because we also understand a lot of women have a lot of responsibilities for their families and communities. But if we can basically, you know, allow them to have access to, let's say, a job where they can do it in their own homes, that would be a great incentive for them. So it's 
these small little elements that we're really trying to focus on. You know, I think I actually spoke about this at the Milken Institute because I felt that, you know, often we look at the West and we think that, oh, it's very inter- it's very easy to kind of implement what's happening in the West, but in the global South. But in reality, it's not. Um, I think it's very important to do it at a gradual level where, you know, you can empower women, but at the same time, you're working in sort of the social setting that they are in. You know, we also have to understand that, you know, every society is different and some women will be held back by men. So it's about, you know, being able to empower them, but then at the same time also respecting their wishes as well. So um, that's what we're really trying to focus on right now. And it's something that, I mean, I feel very passionate about. And I think that in the long term, it can really go a long way into making huge improvements in societies and, you know, creating equality. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Any society that is working towards the equality between men and women and the empowerment of women is definitely doing well in that in that mm-hmm. sense, for sure. So I actually, I'm really happy that you're doing all of those things. And I can't wait to see what new initiatives and what what else you come up with in that department. I'll definitely be keeping an eye on that. No, we actually just partnered up with this company called uh, Pads as well, uh, Diva Pads in Nigeria. And they basically, um, they came to our school and we got to distribute sanitary towels as well to all of our, uh, our, our girl students, which was also very very important to kind of address because I do think that you know sanitary health is not discussed often enough um because it's considered to be quite oh taboo. yeah for sure yeah even in the um, west for, for that regard yeah even in the west yeah. exactly and I think that you know honestly the feedback we got from that was amazing you know we we heard that you know some of these girls had very important questions to ask about their bodies about concerns they had and to be able to kind of address it was extremely important um I also feel like you know we kind of opened up that window for them where maybe they wouldn't have necessarily come forward to their matron and ask these questions if we didn't sort of push that agenda forward um so that's also another initiative that we've been working on but you know it's it's as I said it's sort of um a gradual process whenever we kind of feel yeah. like we can make a difference in these girls or women's lives we try and get involved you know yeah absolutely and you know what is something that you believe that like anyone can do to sort of start being more philanthropic in their own ways like how sort of can somebody start to give back even if it's like on a very very small scale yeah of course I mean as we mentioned before, I think that's what the power of social media is. I do think that it gets the ball going and makes people question, you know, how can I really make a difference? And I think, you know, we can see it today, even with coronavirus, how people are choosing to get involved um, in different aspects. You know, I was speaking to a friend of mine yesterday and her family is involved in textiles and she was telling me how they're making face masks. You know, my family is also looking into different ways where we can use our auto-assembling plants in Nigeria to sort of get involved as well. Um, And, you know, whether it means making, you know, new medical equipment 
or supplying food to hospitals. There's so many different ways to get involved. And I think that that really shows that, you know, it's all about kind of finding your way of basically contributing. And I think it's extremely important as well to trust which NGO you choose to sort of work with. As I mentioned earlier, you know, transparency is also very important. You know, you need to be able to trust the NGO you're working with and the work that they're doing um, their line of um, causes with. And if it's actually, you know, you know that where you're putting your money is going to the right place. So I think it's, you know, nowadays we have so much access to information through the internet. I just would suggest that, you know, everyone really takes that time to make sure that, you know, they they are sure, you know, when they actually do want to help out in the world, whether it be... Research. Research is key. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Research is key. And um, that's really how you kind of can be 100% sure. I mean, even today, I've had quite a lot of experience learning about different NGOs and organizations, but I'll always make sure that I'll either check in with someone that I know that knows the organization on a personal level, or I'll do my research myself. And I would recommend that to everyone. Yeah, I agree completely. Research is um, very, very overlooked, I think, on just a basic level, even when it comes to like the way that we consume news. um, Yeah, the way we give charity, I agree. Just always do your research and then double do your research is my advice (laughs) so speaking on advice what's sort of it's it's a it's a double question what's the best advice you've received and what's the worst advice you've received sort of during this journey of like starting your own organization and getting into things I think the best advice I've ever received is actually from a mentor of mine and it is to always ask questions and I think often when we start work we're too we're too scared to ask questions and kind of make it seem like oh we don't know what's going on but in reality the more questions you ask I think the more knowledgeable you become and you know I think that is also a very it's something that you can relate to any aspect of your life so I definitely would recommend everyone to just keep asking as many questions as possible. And it's okay (laughs) to make mistakes here and there, but um, it is very important. Um, The worst advice I have been given, I need to really think about that one. Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, It's a tough one. Let me come back to that. Maybe I'll come back to it later on. (laughs) Okay, sure. And you know, you spoke about the coronavirus. So I just sort of wanted to mention that, you know, as we're recording this, that we're living in very unprecedented times, you know, in light of what is going on in the world with COVID-19. And I also wanted to just touch upon, you know, part of the inspiration of wanting to do this interview is that I saw the way that the Stallion Empowerment Initiative has responded to COVID-19. So I just kind of wanted you to discuss what the Stallion Empowerment Initiative has done um, as a response. Um, So, I mean, I guess I haven't really spoken that much about my family business yet, but this is when it sort of comes in useful to what we're actually doing with Stallion Empowerment Initiative as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But my, my family business is a conglomerate based in Nigeria 
and other parts of West Africa as well. And we we have certain divisions that focus on, you know, automobiles, uh, fisheries, rice, uh, steel, and so forth. And we wanted to basically help out when it came to coronavirus by using, you know, so some of the existing infrastructure and sort of placements that we already have there. And we wanted to basically, you know, help the healthcare industry because we understand that they're really struggling right now in terms of the basic necessities that they have. Um, you know, we understand that obviously the budget is extremely uh, short when it comes to healthcare in Nigeria. There's only nine government hospitals there right now. And we have no idea how bad it's going to get, especially there. Um, it's something that's very difficult to control. I mean, Nigeria has a 200 million uh, population and we we still don't know what the numbers are and if they are accurate. So our way to go about it was to basically be able to provide food for the government hospitals there to help mm-hmm. you know the nurses, the doctors, as well as the patients to make sure that they're getting the right nutrition. And that's where our our family business came in use because we obviously have the inventory for rice and fish and we can distribute it to hospitals in Lagos and other parts of Nigeria. Um, we also decided to include one auto, um, auto bus for each hospital to basically transport doctors and nurses to different hospitals because we understand that given the shortage of staff right now, um, it is a very needed um, aspect in terms of transportation. So that was something that you know we felt was very useful to get involved in. And I mean, we are looking into other ways that we can also help the healthcare industry in terms of um, the medical equipment they have. But that is something, you know, I think right now, because of the global pandemic that's happening in the world, it's everything is sort of all over the place and it will take a bit of time to push that forward. But we wanted to basically do something that could immediately help um, and relieve some of these issues. So that's why we started off with that. And um, I guess in the coming months, we'll also see the other work that we do get involved in. But I do think that it is extremely devastating to see what's happening right now. And we we really don't know what's going to, how long this is going to go on for. But if everyone does contribute in one way or another, I think it can definitely help people out there that are struggling and going through coronavirus right now so um yes I, I would really recommend it and I would even recommend even donating to a food bank because you know we're seeing in developing countries that people that are living obviously in very close vicinity to each other either in slums or shanty towns or wherever it might be in the world um it's extremely difficult because everything all the money they earn is basically you know it's literally hand to mouth and they don't have necessarily access to go out and work. So, you know, there are definitely so many other ways to get involved. So please look into it. And if you have any questions, feel free to either email me about it as well. I would love to help out as, 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 as at any cost, you know, so please. Yeah, no, that I really appreciate you saying that as well. Um, I agree completely that everyone should do as much as they can. Um, of course like if you're not in the position like you said to do that you know any little bit can help you know even 
even just trying to be positive during a time like this or reaching out to loved ones who may be, you know, suffering the brunt financially or health-wise or anything, just to do exactly. something to help each other out. I think we're, this is definitely a moment in history that makes us all realize that we're all in this together and we are all one. We're all one of the same. So I completely agree with you. And I'm just, I'm really, really proud of the way that Stallion Empowerment Initiative is, you know, responding to this. And it has definitely inspired me. So I hope that in doing this podcast episode that it can inspire somebody else to help and give back. Because I think that is also a huge part of the reason why I wanted to start this podcast was to talk to people and hopefully that will end up inspiring other people right so of course and I I think what you're doing is also really amazing um you know I'm so excited to actually listen to some of your other podcasts I mean from what you've told me in terms of your lineup um it sounds you know really interesting and I also want to learn about what other people are doing I think as you said um it's even when it comes to reading you know you just you end up learning things about other people and they really do inspire you you know so thank yeah. you for being able to kind of bring all of us together and you know creating a platform for us to share our journey with you um oh, I really do appreciate you. it <laughs> thank you oh look at us <laughs> <laughs> so sweet okay so I have just one last question for you um and it's a big one because I'm I'm a big quotes person I like quotes so what is your favorite quote? Oh, that's a good one. Um, yeah. What is my favorite quote? Um, you know, for me, I, I read quotes all the time and I have like mm -hmm. so many different inspirational quotes for you, but um, let me share it with you. Um, maybe you can put it underneath because I can't remember it from the top of my head. Yeah. But it's actually a quote from Rami that basically if I could sum it up, not from word to word, but mm -hmm. he basically says that, you know, sometimes we dwell so much on what is happening. And when things don't go our way, we kind of, you know, are constantly questioning oh, why it doesn't. But sometimes we have to understand that everything does happen for a reason. And um, we don't know what's ahead of the journey. Maybe the way the position that your life is, is in right now is to kind of benefit you in the future. And I think that is, um, a very interesting quote for me because I think sometimes we always forget to focus on the present moment and understand that it will eventually lead us to a greater place and we should always just trust the journey and trust the universe that everything does happen the way it's meant to. I love that. Thank you. Very, very philosophical and spiritual. Might have to do a part <laughs> two on just that quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably we can start a whole other podcast one day about spirituality if you want yeah favorite I'm so down topic I'm of down. discussion yeah I'm definitely down well thank you so much for doing this and I also just want to quickly let our listeners know where they can find you online so via your website and your Instagram handle so let them know Yes, of course. So um, please feel free to get in contact either through our um, Instagram platform, which is stallion underscore empower, or on our website, www.stallionempower.com. Um, we're also on Facebook. Um, and, you know, I will also pass on my email details if you have any questions, or as I said, 
uh, you want some advice as to how you can help out during coronavirus in terms of NGOs, um, I'm happy to sort of provide some details to you. Um, and yes, thank you so much for having me on here. And no worries. I, yeah. Stay safe and talk to you soon. Yeah, stay safe. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Show Me Your Way podcast. I really loved the discussion with Serena and it has really inspired me to give back more. I've left a link in the show notes that allows you to locate food banks near you to donate to if you are in the UK. And I'm really excited to see all of your feedback and reviews on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, which is at showmeyourway underscore podcast. Until next time.